Since 2017, the Italian Wine Podcast has exploded and expects to hit 6 million listens by the end of July 2023. We're celebrating this success by recognizing those who have shared the journey with us and giving them the opportunity to contribute to the ongoing success of the shows. By buying a paper copy of the Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0 or making a donation to help the ongoing running costs, members of the international Italian wine community will be given the chance to nominate future guests and even enter a prize draw to have lunch with Stevie Kim and Professor Attilio Scienza. To find out more, visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Chin chin! Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Listen in as we journey to some of Italy's most beautiful places in the company of those who know them best, the families who grow grapes and make fabulous wines. Through their stories, we will learn not just about their wines, but also about their ways of life, the local and regional foods and specialities that pair naturally with their wines, and the most beautiful places to visit. We have a wonderful journey of discovery ahead of us, and I hope you will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Today I'm delighted to continue our special sub-series that highlights the winners of the prestigious Five Star Wines and Wines Without Walls competition that took place earlier this year. Over the course of two days, and they were very, very long days, uh, more than 2,200 wines were tasted by an international jury of wine professionals, Italian winemakers, sommeliers, journalists, and Italian wine ambassadors. Those wines that scored more than 90 points uh, will be, were awarded certificates and will be included in the Five Star Wines and Wines Without Walls 2023 book that is coming out very soon while the very best wines in each category were singled out for special awards. Now, the Wines Without Walls section of the five-star competition gives recognition to the increasing range of wines produced by organic, biodynamic, sustainable, and low intervention, which have become so much more important in recent years, not least as winemakers face the challenges of climate change. This morning, I'm delighted to welcome Marilena Leita of Tenuta Gorghi Tondi in western Sicily, the winery that this year won the Wine Without Walls Award for Best Organic Frizzante or Semi-Sparkling Wine for its Babio Terre Siciliane EGP Bianco Frizzanto Vino Biologico. Many congratulations, Marilena, to you and to all at Gorghi Tondi. Thank you so much for being my guest, and how are you today? Thank you all for inviting us. Hello, Mark. Hello, everybody. Well, it was quite a surprise <laughs> to, to receive the, the reward from Five Stars because we didn't think about it because we were preparing for Vinitaly and we discovered just arriving that we have won the first <laughs> place for our semi-sparkling wine, Babio, that it's quite, you know, huge success since it was launched in 2017, something we didn't expect. It. Absolutely not. <laughs> well, it's a great achievement. And uh, it's nice to know that as you were preparing for Vinitaly, that, you know, this came as a surprise. I was uh, one of the judges at Five Star and Wine Without Walls. And, you know, it's such a rigorous tasting. There's so many 
professional judges tasting all the wines. And these special award winners uh, get tasted again. So it really does recognize excellence in each category. Now, Gorgitondi is in Western Sicily. So I'd like you to take our listeners there to really describe the landscape, the seascape, and this special area where the vines are, where the winery is in Western Sicily. First of all, it's a beautiful location because it is in the middle of nature. Uh, on one side, we have the Mediterranean Sea, and on the other side, and partially inside, we have uh, a nature reserve uh, protected by the WWF since 1998. So we are basically in the middle and we have in total 115 hectares of vineyards, mostly planted with white grapes because Western Sicily is the land for white wine. Grillo, Zibibo, Cataratto are all the main grape varietals that you can find in this area. Beaten by fierce sun, uh, well, has these days, sea breeze and growing on what was before, we can say millions of years ago, seafloor. So a lot of fossils and cracked shells uh, as soon as you try to dig a little bit on the on the soil. Okay, so we're in Western Sicily in the midst of a natural reserve. And that's very important for Gorgi Tondi, isn't it? This link with nature and with producing uh, very natural wines. Tell us a little bit about the history of the estate and how it's being run today. Well, the story of the estate dates back 100 years ago when the great-grandmother of the current owner, Anna Maria and Clara Sala, decided to purchase the, the part of vineyards that he is today our vineyards, 115, 130 hectares, more or less, in an area that was absolutely delightful for the best production of white grapes at that time for the production of Marsala wine. So there were no estate, no cellar at that moment. And probably the great-grandmother Dora today would be impressed of seeing uh, not just the cellar, but that the area she purchased for vineyards has turned in the 80s into a nature reserve. This means that the beginning of the 20th century, the winery was led by women. And of course, at the beginning of the 20th century was something, you know, <laughs> uh, not so common, especially in a, in a region of the south of Italy, such as Sicily. And this has always been a feminine business. So today there are the two sisters, Anna Maria and Clara. And since the beginning, being surrounded by all these nature beauties, they wanted to maintain, to preserve and to work within nature. Starting since the beginning, the Gorgitondi name comes from the name of the nature reserve that is Lake Preola and Gorgitondi. The Gorgitondi are three little karst lakes created uh, mostly due to erosion. So basically the thin floor crumbled down and today is filled with water. So this humid area today represents something very, very important for migration birds and for a lot of more species living in this territory. So this is nature preserved. And inside of it, we have 35 hectares. So 10% of the nature reserve is the property of the estate today. And since 2016, we can say that all we do inside of the area is certified organic. We worked organically before, but in 2016, we got the certification telling everybody that we were certified. 
Italian Wine Podcast. If you think you love wine as much as we do, then give us a like and a follow anywhere you get your pods. Okay, so that was very, very important then because of this desire to live in this nature reserve, to make wines, respecting the environment. And that is the motivation then for becoming organic? Uh, yeah, that was one of the main reasons, but also it is a direct consequence of the environment we have all around, not just the nature reserve, but most of all the proximity to the seaside. We are in a very lucky place because having the, the wind blowing all the time from different directions, the sea breeze that brings salt on the vineyards, this helps a lot in fighting against pests, against fungus, against all kinds of things that can affect, in a bad way, a vineyard. So uh, going organic in such an area is absolutely easier compared to, for example, northern regions of Italy that have to against, you know, things like ale or other weather problems. Yes, absolutely. Now, it's interesting, too, that originally you said that um, 100 years ago, this was in the heart and still is, of course, in the heart of the Marsala vineyard area. I guess the family would have then been selling the grapes or selling wine to the big um, Bali in Marsala to transform. They were basically part of one of the biggest family, Pellegrino family. Oh, so okay. they basically pick the grapes and bring them to Marsala for the vinification at the Pellegrino winery. So both Anna Maria and Clara and mostly their mother comes from one of the branches of the Pellegrino family. But in two they decided that they wanted to start a completely different project going away from, you know, traditional wines and Marsala wine itself and bottling the beauty around them. So just wine, not fortified wine. Okay, so a real challenge then to transform these grapes that traditionally had been grown to have high levels of sugar to make the strong base wines for the transformation into Marsala, to make elegant and fresh, especially the white wines from grapes like, as you say, Grillo, Zibibo, Catarato. And so that was an interesting decision to make. Was it really challenging in this heat and even now more so with climate change happening over those 20 years. I know, Marilena, right this minute, you're really suffering from extreme heat. How are the vines able to cope? Well, in the last decades, actually, we have been trying not to suffer so much because luckily we have grey varietals, such the ones you mentioned before, that are resistant to this kind of condition and have a kind of a life from bud break to harvest that is very short. So avoiding the peak of heat that you can have, such the one we are having in this very moment. But the last year and this year, well, it's becoming very, very complicated because even very resistant grapes such as Grillo or Catarato, for instance, that have a very thick skin and can resist the heat and the sea salt coming 
from the scene, our spe- special situation, are having a little problem. And already we have a part of, of the production that is not in very good conditions uh, so far. So we are struggling a little bit and uh, we are very close to the harvest moment because we normally start the end of July, beginning of August. Oh my goodness, that's in, extremely early. I didn't realize it was that early. Yeah, uh, especially for the sparkling wine. We make a sparkling wine out of Grillo. And for the sparkling, of course, the the earliest is the best. So the younger vines of Grillo are, are normally harvested the beginning yeah, of yeah. August. And if it is too hot to handle, <laughs> well, we need to go a little bit earlier. So the end of July. So I think the end of next week, we are going to start. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Okay. Well, I know uh, Gorgitondi wines uh, myself. I traveled to Western Sicily and have loved them and enjoyed them. And that a full range is produced from sparkling through the still wines of Frizzante, of course, which we'll talk about in a minute, the still whites, the Rosato, the Nero d'Avola, and also the Passito. But let's turn now to Babio, to this wine that won the best organic semi-sparkling award. Tell us about how this wine is made, uh, what it's like. I haven't tasted it myself. Okay, so Babio. Let's start with the name. Babio is a Sicilian word meaning have fun, make a joke or something like that. It's a very typical Sicilian word that can apply into a lot of situations, but funny situation all the time. And it contains the word bio, V-I-O, so biological, organic. So this was the beginning of everything. It was a brainstorming among colleagues here at the winery, and the name came up like this. And it was also the mood for these wines. So something funny, something easy to drink, but most of all, something easy to understand, even for people that are not used to drink wine because they normally drink beer, for example. So it's a a semi-sparkling, as you said, that is made uh, with a tank method. So it could be a spumante, but the only thing that is lacking is a little bit more of pressure. So being lower in pressure. It is normally called frizzante. And it is a blend of three main grapes, Grillo, Zibibo and Damaschino. That is something quite rare to find in this area, even if it was one of the four main grape varietals for Marsala white wines. Okay, so it's a fun wine, a wine to drink when it's 48 degrees outside, when it's in the heat, a wine to enjoy, perhaps a wine for a younger generation of wine drinkers too? At the beginning, this was the idea, you know, uh, in 2017, the idea was the millennials, no? <laughs> so that was the target we thought about for that wine. But actually, it is more versatile than that. It can be the wine for anyone from those that barely drink to those that are absolutely, you know, enoshic, as we call them, that don't want to, uh, you know, taste something complicated or too brainy. And they decided to drink something easy just to relax. So basically is a, a wine that can go very well with everything and with everyone, every taste. Okay, well, that sounds perfect. I can see why it was very popular with our judges too. 
Now, Grillo, you've mentioned, this is the great grape of Western Sicily. Tell us about Grillo and about maybe one or two of the still wines you produce, which I've enjoyed myself on my travels. Grillo for us is, you know, it's our soul because we have 40% of the vineyards planted with Grillo and we basically make Grillo in any way possible. So we can make sparkling Grillo, we can make easy drinking white Grillo, we can make a structured, full-bodied Grillo, and we can make oxidative style, pre-British Marsala, or Botrytis wine, noble rot wine. This is what we make with the same grape variety. Of course, changing age of the vines, exposition, kind of soil, and of course, vinification techniques. But this is what you can do with Grillo. It's super versatile as a grape variety. Well, that's really important. And, you know, I think it's a great variety that maybe people outside of Sicily or outside of Italy are less familiar with. But I, you know, I always urge people to to try and discover Grillo. It's certainly one of my favorites. I really do think it can produce, as you say, such varied and wonderful wines. Wines that go well with the gastronomy of Sicily, with the gastronomy of Western Sicily. Can we turn now just to talking about a little bit about the foods that pair well with the Gorgitondi wines, particularly the foods of of Western Sicily? Uh, the food of Western Sicily has a big influence from the Arabians. So uh, in Mazzara del Vallo, where we are, there is this community of Tunisian sharing their lives and sharing their spaces and sharing their tradition and cuisine with, uh, with the Sicilians. So basically, we live in a, in a city that is a living melting pot. And the cuisine of the Western Sicily area is absolutely a mix of Arabian traditions and recipes such as couscous. Couscous is probably the main dish that represents this union. It's, of course, a fish couscous because Mazzara del Vallo is also known for his fishing fleet, one of the biggest in Italy. And one of the jewel of the fishermen of the area is the red prawn from Mazzara del Vallo. So the grillo is absolutely perfect with this combination of flavor. Grillo is a neutral grape variety also, not so aromatic. And it has a very nice crispness and acidity and uh, a good structure. So with dishes uh, rich in fish and soup, such as a couscous, pairs perfectly well. Okay, so you've mentioned that Mazzara del Valle, this important fishing port, still has this large community from Tunisia. But of course, the Arab influence dates back much, much earlier to the time when, when Sicily was controlled by the Arabs until the time of the Normans. So I guess foods and flavors and taste memories really go back a long time, particularly in Western Sicily, where the food's quite different from Eastern Sicily, for example, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the main dishes that is probably known everywhere South Sicily is cassata, but cassata is something that the Arabians brought us. And it is mostly a dish of Western Sicily, even if today you can find it everywhere. The cassap was the container where the this kind of pastry was made. Let's call it uh, an ancient cheesecake, if you want, because it's made with ricotta cheese. 
and the cassette was absolutely the container with that shape that you can see today decorated with all that candied fruits and everything but at the beginning it was very simple it was just really a cake just filled with ricotta and you flip down the container and you add that shape that is the actual shape of cassata cake Oh, I didn't know that. And of course, those beautiful candied fruits, also remembering that it was the Arabs who brought citrus fruit to Sicily and irrigation and so many innovations that really enriched the foods of Sicily, and which is why I think the food in Sicily is certainly some of the most exciting anywhere in the country. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned this wonderful product of shellfish of Mazzara, the Gambero Rosso, the red prawn. Now, that is something very special. It, it really seems to be only caught and landed in Mazzara. Is that right? And yet it will be sent. I mean, I've had the red prawns in three-star Michelin restaurants in northern Italy, always coming from Mazzara. And, you know, it's a really special yeah, it's a super rich shellfish and you can have it in different size. The bigger one, it's no more a prawn, it's, it's something gigantic. It's fished near the coast of Sicily, but basically the area where you can fish is, is very close to the Greek islands. So you can reach up to that area and the fishermen stay out for one month fishing them and then bringing them back in Mazzara. So basically it is called like this, but it is a Mediterranean prawn uh, Actually. Okay. And the unusual thing is that it's red even when it's crudo, when it's raw. Correct. Correct. And uh, it is very, very fat being a shellfish. So basically with the bigger ones, you can really taste something that is more like meat and not fish because it's so, so rich in fat and you can absolutely pair it with super uh, structured white wines or even sparkling wines because you can really clean this fattiness that you have in your mouth when you have it even raw. So cooked, it loses a little bit of this fat, but raw is probably the best way to, to have it, to savor it. Okay. Yes, I've had that uh, wonderful prawn raw. Uh, and you're right, it really needs a biggish wine to pair with it. It can uh, really stand up to it. Now, I'd also like to mention one thing that's no visitor to Mazzara del Valle should miss seeing the magnificent bronze statue, the dancing satyr or the satyr. Can you tell us about this? <laughs> well, this is absolutely linked with the fisherman uh, of Mazzara del Vallo because it is one of the oldest statues of Greek origins that was found in a very strange occasion uh, at the beginning of the 90s. And uh, today is inside of a museum that is the Museo del Satiro, the Satyr Museum. And it's a statue that, well, we can say tells the story of wineland such as Sicily is because uh, during the Greek times, we know that the Greek brought the viticulture techniques in Sicily. Sicily already produced some wine, but we didn't have the techniques. The Greek brought them to us. And the satyr is one of the attractions, of the attractivities that you can see in Mazzara del Vallo. Also a lot of archaeology all around the area. You have a lot of 
beautiful archaeological parts such as Cave di Cusa or Selinunte, that is probably the most known area, but Cave di Cusa was the area where the columns of the big temples were uh, carved and then brought to Selinunte to build the big temples. The seaside, the beaches, there are a lot of beautiful things to see in that area. It's definitely an area of the beaten paths compared to the to the other uh, most known areas of Sicily, especially for tourists. Yes, I agree. And I would really recommend our listeners do travel to Western Sicily and explore this beautiful area. Now, Marilena, if they do travel in Western Sicily, can they visit the Gorgitondi Winery? Absolutely, yes. We are open all year round. And of course, as we are surrounded by nature, most of our visits and tasting at the winery include a part of the nature around us. Uh, You can have a picnic or you can have just a stroll in the close WWF area, eventually with with a specific guide because we have this collaboration with the WWF. And we normally uh, organize a specific event in summer. For example, in this moment, every Thursday, we are organizing an aperitivo just in front of the doors of the cellar. On the loans, we just wait for the sun to set because we are lucky enough to have the sunset just in front of our door. So it is a, it is a beautiful place to, to enjoy, to stay relaxed and to just have a, a glass of wine with a good company. Well, that sounds a wonderful way to experience the area, to experience the wines, to experience all that Gorgi Tondi are doing. And uh, it's something I look forward to joining you at one day. I love the idea of standing in front of the doors, looking out to the sea and enjoying a glass of wine. Uh, when, When you're really tasting wine, where it's made, where the soul of that wine is. So that sounds very special. Well, we wait for you, Mark. <laughs> Waiting you. for you. I will definitely be coming to see you. Thank you so much for being my guest this morning. You've taken us into the heat of Western Sicily. I know it's been very hot, but you've still explained how you're coping with the heat of the wines you're making, the foods we can enjoy, and the beautiful places to see. So thanks for sharing the story. I hope the summer goes well. I hope the harvest next week goes well, and I look forward to seeing you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for you all, for having me, for having us, and, well, as soon as you can, come and see us. Well, probably in a, in a lower temperature situation, but thanks. <laughs> thanks for everything. Okay. Thank you. Okay, ciao for now. Bye-bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Please remember to like, share and subscribe right here or wherever you get your pods. Likewise, you can visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Until next time, chin chin.